they charge me with resisting arrest. Get that confidence in jail. I object. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Allegedly Bravo. I'm Lauren, and this is my co-host, Cash. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And wow, (laughs) that was a rough start. That was a rough start. So like... If we make it through this episode in one piece, like, I don't know if Mercury is in retrograde. Have we checked that? But the Zoom is not cooperating. The the Wi-Fi is acting up. It's crazy. Like Lauren was frozen. I was frozen. Our voices were (laughs) jiggling back and forth. Like, for those of you who don't know, Cash and I don't live, like, near each other at all. So we do this over Zoom. And we're going to about to, well, we're about to live a lot farther away from each other. Oh, I know Lauren's moving. I'm moving on out. Moving out of Cali, moving out of Cali. And I'll provide updates later. I'm going to be a little mysterious for now. You're not going to tell people where you're going. No, that's kind of fun. I know. Okay. So we are here today to give just like a complete update into the Erica Girardi of it all. You guys. Holy fuck. Wow. Wow. We haven't talked about Erica in quite some time because frankly, we were burnt out with the episodes of Beverly Hills, all of the articles. There was so much drama and I feel like we were almost to the point where we were beating a dead horse. It felt like it. And now we've gotten a little bit of movement and Erica is finally really starting to get brought into all of it. Oh yeah. It's like all the shits hit all the fans. And like we said, we took a little break from Erica, but like Also, we didn't because if you go to our Instagram, like I definitely read the Erica Jane memoir and did a little compare and contrast with what exactly Erica said in her book and her memoir versus what's happening on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills currently. And I'm just kind of pointing out the contradictions that I see. Obviously, this is so that we can all make our own conclusions. You know, we just want to keep the court of public opinion abreast of the situation. Yes. And it was true investigative journalism on your part. And I was actually thinking with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion filmed yesterday, you guys filmed yesterday. And I kid you not during my workday, I was sitting there like it is being filmed right now. Like what is happening? Like I will, I was so excited. We commented on Andy Cohen's post and said that he better hold Erica Jane accountable. Mm -hmm. And in the court of public opinion, does that mean Andy Cohen's our judge? I think in the court of public opinion, Andy Cohen is more, yeah, I would say not so much our judge, but like our attorney representing both sides. Like he's our, I don't know because he's so fucking shady, you know? And like, you can tell like who he likes, who he's going easy on, who he's not. I don't know if he'll. If somebody brought up, I don't remember what podcast I listened to. I don't know if it was the morning toast or bitch sesh, Mm -hmm. but they made a good point. They're like, if. He takes the position that he did during the Potomac reunion with Monique. Remember how he was like really weird with her and wasn't. Yeah. yeah. If he does that with Eric, it's just going to be bad. It's yeah. I mean, <sighs> he needs to drill into her like the blatant inconsistencies, like bring in PK when we're talking to Eric. Well, and- PK was bringing up good points. And here's the thing. So let's just say for sake of our own feelings, you know, you got to kind of cushion our expectations a little bit. Let's say he can't talk anything about the legal stuff. Okay. Why? I don't know, but let's just say, let's say she like, let's just do the worst case possible so that we're like less disappointed when it comes out. Well, that's interesting that you say that because do you remember before Beverly Hills aired, people were asking Andy, is Erica going to talk about it? And he said, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at how open she is. Do you think now watching, we're like, what, 10 episodes in? Do you think that she has been open? So I think that if you watched like only the first couple of these episodes where it was like her showing up to Kyle's house and like Mm -hmm. Sutton's Christmas, or I'm sorry, Parisian party and that, like you would kind of think like, Yeah. Like she's being kind of open. Like she's like, yeah, it's really painful. Like he fell off a cliff. Like she's, you would think that she's like telling these big secrets, but it's like, again, again, we, again, we use 
Cliff loosely. Cliff is like, <laughs> what did he trip on a fucking curb? Like, for God's sakes, like. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> it's okay. So it's just like, I think that, um, I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, no. It's okay. We'll remember later. But anyway, long story short, I think what I'm all I'm trying to say is like, God, I think I was being long winded. Is this how Doreen feels? Oh my God. Okay, really quickly, can we just have like a brief detour, a segue? Please. Do you think they're being a little mean to Dorit? Here's the deal. I think we don't have enough. I've never seen Dorit be long winded. So I'm kind of like, I don't get it. But at the same point, it's like, I think we don't really have anything from Dorit. So it's like, the only thing we really have is that she's like long-winded, I guess. I, I disagree with you Oh, with Dorit not having anything because a lot of people have said that she's kind of sitting in the back. Um, she doesn't really have a strong presence this season. She doesn't have a storyline. Yeah. I think though that Dorit's, I think not only Dorit's storyline, but I think everyone else's storylines have been overshadowed obviously by Erica. And so Erica and Sutton and this whole drama is taking precedent over everybody else. And because I think Dorit has a strong storyline in like her wedding collection, wedding gown collection. I Yeah, but I'm, that came out of nowhere. Like I feel like we didn't even get a warm up to that. It was just like, "Hi BK, I, look wedding dresses." It's like I would have liked to see her try to plan it or draw a dress. I, I think the footage is there. I just don't think they're able to edit it in because there's so oh. much there's so much with Erica and Sutton. I think truthfully we spent way too much time with the Sutton Crystal drama. Yeah, but I think they had to give Crystal and Sutton some drama in the beginning because at that point none of this had happened. Yeah. So like while they were filming, that's what they got. And then no one expected any of this. Literally, it's like, let's, let's keep that to like one, maybe two episodes, because I, I just would have liked to get a little bit more from the other cast members. Cause we're getting obviously a lot with Kyle and Kathy. We're getting a lot of Erica and Sutton. Um, and I just need more Garcelle and Dorit. I love Garcelle. They, they don't like each other. No, they don't like each other at all. And you know, all. you know, who else, who the other two that don't like each other, Lisa Rinna and Garcelle. Garcelle sees right through Lisa Rinna's bullshit. Lisa Rinna, we will get into Lisa Rinna in our next episode, but like Lisa Rinna is really, she's out there this season. Like, yeah, let's, let's, let's hold it. it, Yeah, we'll save it. Cause next week's going to be crazy. Cause we're going to go do a deep dive and wow. 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 And you know what? That actually, you know, comes full circle. It does. Because, you know, Rinna's really, really stand in behind Erica and, and has been her fierce and loyal supporter. And can I ask you, where the fuck did that come from? Um, Rinna's always been vaguely obsessed with Erica, in my opinion. Like she literally skinned her and wore her for Halloween. Oh my God. <laughs> that is so funny. It's so true. <laughs> but do you think that she's blindly loyal to Erica or do you think that she's just blindly loyal to anybody who is like the it person that season like she just like jumps on the coattails of other people's drama so like erica's name is in all the press right now so yeah like i mean yeah that's a really good point because look at how she is with amelia and scott disick it's like okay like not to bring up yolanda even though that seems to be someone we bring up this season but like yolanda by the way yeah right like leave her out of it like she has Lyme's disease she's just trying to recover like for god's sakes so um I was gonna say that it's like Yolanda never talked about like Gigi dating um you know that Australian guitar player when he when they were dating so it's like weird oh yeah you know and he was like really popular so it's you know it's like Lisa Renna didn't really have to share that but that's her storyline is her daughter's life. Again, it's like, does Amelia get a stipend of this? Like, and I know <laughs> the other, what's the other one's name? Delilah. Delilah. Okay. Delilah. Like, I think it was kind of like the Gigi Bella Hadid thing. We're like in the, okay, we need to stop well, talking about yeah, this. No, you need to cut all of this out yeah. because this is all about Rena. Rena. Okay. okay so, so it is full circle actually, because it's kind of like the whole thing is, is Rena def- uh, blindly following behind Erica. Erica. And 
and we'll talk about it, but let's go through. I think what we're going to talk about today is we're going to go through the timeline so that we're all caught up. And then we're going to discuss the complaint that brings Erica into this whole fucking mess. Yes, 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 yes. And this is, we've mentioned before in prior episodes that this isn't just one lawsuit, it's multiple lawsuits. And before we jump in, we just want to remind everyone that we are in, we are in civil land, we're not in criminal land. Because we keep hearing people bring up like, oh, Tom's going to prison, Erica could potentially go to prison, she could potentially go to jail. This isn't a tr- tr- Teresa Giudice, Joe Giudice situation right now. It could be, right. but we're not there yet. We're in bankruptcy court. Right. We're in bankruptcy court and we are trying to get the money back to pay the victims who were stolen from robbed. Exactly. Yeah, robbed. And so I just want to make that clear because people get that confused. People do um, get that confused. So like the only thing that's keeping it, the reason why it's not criminal and it is civil is because there's just, there hadn't been enough information for it to be a criminal thing. Like no one well, had really, we don't know. Yeah. Like the, the prosecutors could be collecting evidence and waiting, right. or they may not may not have enough for like say wire fraud or any type of embezzlement, but we'll see. we'll see. And they may be waiting for the civil case to wrap up, but generally criminal cases take priority. Um, but here there's just so many people here that need their money. Here we're just focused right now as we're focused on paying the victims and paying people who have been owed money for quite some time. Yeah. And those people that owe money is Tom Girardi himself, Girardi and Keese, which is the law firm that Tom ran. And now Erica Jane. We'll be back after a quick break. Finding Ruby is the incredible true story of a 16-year-old tricked by a seemingly innocent Facebook message. A message that would lead her from the protection of the mountains to the nightmare of an online trafficking den. Her first message to me was like, Hi, are you looking for a job? Ruby is hidden from the world, from everyone except her abusers. But she isn't alone. There is a team of people looking for her, and they will stop at nothing to find her. This isn't just the fight of her life, it's their fight too. Search for Finding Ruby today. Right. And now Erica Jane. So before we get started, do we want to do like a little bit of a timeline yeah. to get people caught up? Because I feel like there's been so much confusion between what was happening in reality with the filing of documents and also what's happening in the Beverly Hills episodes. Like universe, because, yeah. yeah. The universe, I feel like it's a little clouded and confusing because we're seeing things play out in real time, but then they're bringing up old issues and it's like, where are we? Where are we? And it's hard to like, and remember everything went so fucking fast that it's like, holy fuck. Okay. So let's start with literally November 3rd, 2020. What a day in history. The day the nation was rocked when Erica filed for divorce. Yeah. From Um, Tom Girardi. Have you ever watched those? Like, have you ever seen a 30 for 30 episode on ESPN? Um, not on purpose. Okay. Well, they've done these <laughs> documentaries before where there's been like really big moments in history, like certain days oh, yeah. in history where all of these events have happened on this one single day. I feel like we're going to need a Bravo 30 for 30 episode on November 3rd. Oh yeah. 2020. Exactly. Yeah. A thousand yeah. percent. So okay. Erica files for divorce. Um, she, remember, she notifies the women at 9.15 a.m. via text message. Well, at 1.16 p.m. is when People Magazine released the statement. Me so who? this is like, so can you imagine, Cash? Like, I know this is different because like we are BFFFL. But like, say we were like friends and worked together and didn't have like even... Yeah. Okay. Say it's you and me and you text me at 9 15 AM and you're all, Hey, by the way, I'm getting a divorce. I mean, I would be shocked and slightly offended because I would assume that our relationship was strong enough for you to be able to disclose that type of information to me. Right. 
But to have like four hours to process it or however much that is, like that's crazy. So her statement said in People Magazine, I have great love and respect for Tom and for our years and the lives we built together. It is my absolute wish to proceed through this process with respect and with the privacy that both Tom and I deserve. I request others give us that privacy as well. And I'm like, Okay, so please give us privacy, but also we're going to just steal from everybody also, by the way. Well, so so you said November 3rd, so and this is when they announced the her divorce, and this is when they had just gotten back from Tahoe, where she was, you know, chumming it up and telling everyone that Tom's so smart, and, uh, he's right, great, yeah. and then 24 hours later, um, drops the news that she was getting a divorce because any sane person who was contemplating divorcing their husband of 20 something years, I would assume would show some type of emotion and some type of reserve and openly talking about and bragging about her husband. That's about to be her ex-husband in 24 hours. Well, and it's like, she literally told Garcelle, Oh, Tom. Oh yeah. Just got off the phone with him. He's good. He's working hard working dog, man. It's like, yeah. Okay. How, okay. So this is where I just want to say off the bat, like if you're Garcelle and you're Sutton and you're all that, and you're hearing just today that like everything's totally fine and Tom's at work and you guys love each other. And then you're going to go home, wake up and have a text message being like, by the way, like Tom and I are calling it quits. I would be like, holy fuck. Like this whole entire weekend. I don't even know who that person is. So I think this for anybody who is of a higher intellect, like I believe Sutton is, this was red flag number one for her. Yeah. The way that this was handled. Okay. So who do you so, think this wasn't a red flag for? I think Lisa Rinna, Cal yeah. Richards, a lot of people were very maybe naive to it in the beginning yeah. and didn't understand what was coming. Yeah. And I then, agree with that. So now they're back in LA, right? After this news, they're processing it. So here's the other thing. Remember Erica told them all like, oh, I left him. I drove him to work and left him. So is she saying that on Monday, the second, she took Tom to work, never picked him up. (laughs) Just left him there. Yeah. Or is she saying that on, you know, it's like, I don't know. Who cares? cares? So then the third was Kyle's election party. So this is all happening. And then that night they're having the election party. And then five days later on November 8th, on or about that was Sutton's France party. So Sutton's France party, yeah, only happened five days after Erica like rocked the whole world telling us she's divorcing her man. And that's when she makes the weird comment about giving up her Lamborghini and she just drives a Range Rover. Yeah. And it's, she's never had a Range Rover. It's her first one. It's like, okay, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I've never had one either. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So then November toots around, I guess they're all hunky dory. And <laughs> on December 2nd is when Jay Edelson files in the Lion Air case that, um, he believes that Tom, you know, stole the money from these people and it kind of gets the ball rolling. And he accuses Erica of like funneling their assets through like her divorce. And that's why she divorced him. That was the accusation. Um, So then December 14th, this is what, two weeks later about this is when they all go to Palm desert and they're in Kyle's house. December 14th is when the assets get frozen. So everyone kind of knows that Eric is going through a lawsuit and a divorce by the time they get to Kyle's house. Mm -hmm. But at Kyle's house is obviously when the assets are frozen. And it's when people are always asking, like, where's Keese? Well, Keese from Girardi Keese and three, like two other people, Robert Finnery and Jill O'Callaghan, Jill O'Callaghan, Sue Tom to dissolve their business known as one, one, two, six Wilshire partnership. That's the building that Girardi keys is in. They, they, all of the, everybody in the firm, right. All of the partners had a, an, uh, they owned that property, correct. Or was it Tom himself that owned it? Well, that, that building, I think that was, see, I don't think they're part, I think they're business partners. I don't think they're lawyer partners. I don't well, think the, the business partners, they own that property together. Correct. Correct. Okay. But it wasn't just in Tom's name, right? The partnership is 
in owning the building. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not in the law firm. So I'm wondering if that's why Keese's name was on the building. Oh. I don't know. So anyway, I guess Tom allegedly never paid them any money. So then in December 18th, the bankruptcies filed Christmas Eve. They filed to appoint trustees. That was super fun. And then in January, all the shit hits the fan and the liquidation process begins. January 21st is when, oh, Tom can't pay the cleaning lady. Remember that whole trope? Yeah. It was like so sad and upsetting. And then the next day, January 21st, Tom's file families for file. (laughs) Tom's family files for that's an alliteration, the conservatorship, the 22nd ish. Okay. Okay. So this is on or about the same day, couple days within Mm -hmm. is Kathy's dinner party from hell. So I think that's why if you put this into perspective, if I were Sutton, like we just said, she already had the red flag out in Tahoe. Question for you really quickly. You said we're in January, correct? Correct. And dinner party from hell is taking place. Correct. I would just like to point out one thing. The conservatorship has not been filed yet. Um, Right. Well, the, the request for a temporary one is filed on the 21st. Like that's when his family goes in to be like, okay, because something I find fascinating is that Erica throughout those dinner parties that predate the dinner party from hell. She uses the term diminished capacity a lot. Yep. I was hoping you'd bring this up cash. Yeah. I find that interesting too. And I Mm -hmm. think that's also why if I were Sutton, I would feel the same way Sutton does like, sorry, I'm totally team Sutton here. And if you don't agree with me, like I don't care, but if you had the wherewithal to be like, uh, this is weird that we just had this Tahoe thing. This is weird now that we're in um, La Quinta and all of a sudden Tom's car accident is really bad and he hit his head. And now all of a sudden we're using words like diminished capacity, like you said. And now all of a sudden the day about before Kathy's dinner party, Tom's family files for a conservatorship. I can Mm -hmm. totally understand why Sutton would be like, I don't believe this for a second because I didn't believe it for a second when it was coming out. And we still don't. And we still don't. I mean, I hope it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. And then the 24th about, I got all this by looking at outfits on Instagram. So timeline might be a little bit off, but it's on her about. So on her about January 24th is when PK told Dorito chip, Erica could say something about the victims. And it's not that Tom stole that's alleged. It's that he's. Diminished capacity. Dimin- yeah. So that's January. And Dude, then who would have ever, who would have ever thought PK would be the voice of reason? Oh my God. I was laughing so hard. Cause I was like, okay, of course PK is going around like, oh yeah. Like my, my bankruptcy was for like half a billion dollars or whatever. It wasn't that bad. This one's so bad. <laughs> yeah. These are people. I mean, it's like, yeah, I kind of on PK side, like stealing money from other companies, whatever, stealing money from people. Yeah. Fuck you, Tom. PK's <laughs> our moral compass. Yeah. Our moral <laughs> compass of PK. <laughs> oh God, that's scary. Um, so February 1st, the conservatorship hits the fan. February 2nd, the brothers appointed conservator. February 5th the Pasadena home is burglarized. (laughs) So this is like that scenes from next week where, where Erica's like, Oh my God, Tom, all of a sudden we know all about Tom. Like, wasn't she not talking to Tom? And then the clip is like, he hit his head and got burglarized and had eye surgery. And oh, and it just so happens. It just so happens to be that picture that we saw out in a boot with Tom's black eye. Yeah. I have a question. So in that, that, the clip for next week, she says that the house was burglarized. Tom gets up and confronts the burglar. Then he has eye surgery, something about her son. And then a car crashing is the son, the one that crashed the car or is Tom, the one that crashed the car unclear. Okay. And what is up with the lack of emotion that's coming from her and this monotone voice where she is delivering these like dialogues and monologues. I'm going to tell you, she's blaming it on the Lexapro. Okay, that's not a fair excuse coming from two women that are on antidepressants. Yeah, and a thousand percent. Um, 
I, I never, as a, I don't think one of the illicit side effects and there are many is a monotone voice. Uh, yeah, I agree. And so anyways, that it's so frustrating. So I know she's so annoying. So house burglaries in February, where are we at? Yeah. So February 5th, the house is burglarized. February 9th, they go, you know, order to evict Tom. Tom's brother opposes the eviction, but he gets evicted anyway. The end of February, the 26th is when he's officially diagnosed with late onset Alzheimer's and dementia. And also he's evicted at the end of it. Okay. So then in May of 2021, um, the trustees ask for a Miss Charlene Fujimoto to show up for a deposition and bring a bunch of documents. Mm-hmm. And that's because Miss Fujimoto was Tom Girardi's secretary for the last a lot of years. It didn't specify how many, it just said numerous. And they asked her to bring communications about the assets, the finances, and all communications like after November 15th, 2021. I find that date to be very interesting. And I wonder why they picked November 15th, 2021. Is it because it was a month before all the shit hit the fan? Or does that date have a specific purpose? I'm not sure. But Erica filed for divorce 12 days before that. So that's why I wonder about that. Yeah. Okay. The The timing is suspect. The timing is super suspect, but just like all things in this case, you know? Yeah. Um, June 25th, the Rio Gomez family asked if they can um, have their stay lifted and that they can collect from Erica Jane directly. The uh, the trustee for Girardi Keys opposes oh, the motion. Yes, but on June 24th, um, Erica had actually filed a notice of motion and motion for reconsideration um, from an order that granted um, Ronald Richards an special. So they really appointed him as special counsel on behalf of the trustee. And so on June 24th, Erica filed a motion saying, nah, bitch, reconsider it. Mm -hmm. Don't want it. Yeah. So she's bringing all of these motions. Like she's, uh, you know, she's writing letters. You can see her. I mean, we can see just basically her Twitter is like blowing up. You know, and I will say hitting the fan and she's fighting with that guy a lot. Ronald Richards, she's going to fucking bat with him. Oh, well, I have a fun quote that I pulled from the amended complaint. That is oh, good. so hilarious. I, I think everybody is going to laugh because it's very applicable to the way that people, how Erica acted at the dinner party from hell was sudden. Ugh. Well then just last and final, um, the, the brother, I forget his name. I, I keep wanting to call him Andrew, like from the oh, Andrew. Yeah, the brother. I'll call him the brother. Uh, the brother was ordered to sit for oh. <laughs> a deposition and um, bring documents about all his communication. So then last is when they brought Erica into it. And that's where oh, we're at. Guys. And they brought Erica in and she's not loving it. Let's just not say that. Loving it. So remember, we have two different trustees. We have a trustee that represents or trustee for Girardi Keys, which is the firm. And then you have a trustee for Tom Girardi's personal estate. So this amended complaint was filed on behalf of the trustee for Girardi Keys, mm-hmm. the law firm. They're the law firm. Correct. They said, hey, whoa, we need to amend our original complaint because we need to let the court know that there's some shady shit going on with Erica Jane and Erica Girardi global. Yeah. Or Erica e- Jane global. EJ global. Sorry. EJ global. So just as a little bit of background, EJ global was created in 2008. Mm-hmm. Erica Jane was the sole owner. Um, she was the only person I believe that was an employee of EJ global. She had a hundred percent control of everything. Mm-hmm. According there's to the n- document she filed with the secretary of state. This is undisputed. We'll be back after a quick break. I'm Shannon Jimenez-Sassone, a former NYPD misconduct investigator, a podcaster, and a videographer. I'm Nat W. I've been a social worker for a hot minute. Working alongside the police left us with more doubt than encouragement. Uh, We've tried in our career fields to be doers, and it still feels impossible. Is it even possible to work alongside the police and not be part of the police state? Fixing it does start with having the conversations. It's everything that you should know about the police. It's going to be a hard conversation, but... 
It's a hard topic. Not an Arc podcast premieres Tuesday, January 17th on all streaming platforms. And according to the complaint, all of this information is going to be pulled from the complaint. And so they're saying, hey, look, she formed this in um, 2008. And then she went on to form Pretty Mess Inc., which was created in 2021. So Pretty Mess year. Inc. was Pretty formed Mess- in 2021? 2021, with the assistance of a business manager referred to her by Lisa Rinna. Interesting. And so what this complaint is alleging is, hey, EJ Global is a complete shell company that has no capital. It has a single owner. It has no separate books, no current bank accounts, or other type of indicia or evidence of a corporate formality. Wow. So they're alleging that this EJ Global is actually a personal services company for Erica Jane. And right. do I know exactly the the logistics between like a C corp and a, isn't it like a difference between a C corp and an S corp? Yeah. But it's like mainly about how they're taxed and like corporate structure. And so that's, yeah. So it really comes down to a tax issue and receiving tax benefits of some sort. And so they say the purpose of EJ global was merely an instrumentality to funnel a large scale tax fraud from the debtor to benefit defendant Jane. So in this case, the debtor is Girardi Keith. Right. So they say, hey, look, like we're alleging this and we assume this is what Erica's going to say back in her response to our amended complaint that I, that Erica never received payments directly from the debtor. Therefore, she's not liable. Right. And if let's just say if EJ Global is liable, Erica doesn't think she's personally liable as a result of that because right. she's playing dumb. Yeah, exactly. For a lack of a better term. Yeah. But then the the trustee that filed this complaint is saying, no, 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 no. Any payment that you received was for your benefit and is therefore your responsibility. Right. Because there's like no legitimate business here. No. And so I don't know if people have heard, but some other podcasts have made reference to this where the, um, there was this case that was settled and Tom mm-hmm. represented one of the parties and it was the Marston versus Marston case. And it was settled mm-hmm. in 2012. And so in this settlement, Tom agreed to divert any of and transfer his right to attorney's fees from the court. Uh, sorry, not from the court, divert and transfer his right to receive attorney's fees through the court approved settlement in the form of an ongoing stream of payments from the state of California lottery. You may think, what the hell does a lottery have to do with this? Right. Why is the lottery involved? Well, so, Marston versus Marston, the two individuals, one of them had won a lottery, the California lottery. Right. And so it was this dispute over payments. Um, I'm a, they were husband and wife. No, da- daughter and, and father. Oh, daughter, father. Sorry. Yeah. I it, for some reason, it was husband and wife, daughter, far, father. And so farther, um, farther. <laughs> and so what they said is instead of taking a lump sum, sum for the attorney fees, we're going to put it into an account and it's going to be, the payments are going to be dispersed for long terms. And it was on this payment schedule. Yeah. And so a lot know, of you t- have the option to take the lump sum or payment. So yes. I guess she took the payments <laughs> and, and then in- they gave them to Erica. Well, in settlements too, and it happens a lot of times, at least my experience when I studied medical malpractice in law school is there are these annuity accounts that are set up on behalf of victims of malpractice and especially people that are like traumatically injured mm-hmm. um, and have like debilitating injuries that like where they need life-term. Well, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Where they need long-term payments. Instead of doing one lump sum, they set up an annuity account to ensure the victim is in is constantly receiving maybe monthly Mm -hmm. um, payments to make sure that they're forever taken care of, which is what Tom kind of convinced Rio Gomez that he was getting, but really he he wasn't, he didn't do it Um, at all. So in this account though, with these, these payments that were coming from the California state lottery for the attorney's fees that Tom was awarded. If you look at the agreement, it's in Erica's name. Yeah. So Erica's the one that's receiving these payments. And so she had received more than $242,658 from the state of California between 2012 and 2021. Mm-hmm. And in the grand scheme of Erica Jane and Girardi, this isn't a huge amount of money, but it is money that really should have been going to Girardi Keys. Right. To I Erica. mean, as a payment for, because the whole point was this was how Tom was getting paid for working on this case. So instead of Tom, the money going into the business, it's like, here, Erica, have it. 
So there's, it's really weird in these blurred. The daughter's in it too. It's so strange. Yeah. The why, like, why is the money being transferred to Erica? Why is this money not going into an account for the firm? Right. You know, and it's like, was Gerardi Keese aware that this money was then going to Erica Jane and not being deposited in the firm's account? I don't know at this point, but anyways, so fast forward to now. So Tom and Erica were scheduled to receive $78,000 in payments from the state of California in the years of 2022 to 2025. So like we said, she agreed to receive these payments from stip- like per stipulation, which is just an agreement between the parties. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets a little icky. Oh. So the trustees are alleging that at the top, at all times prior to 2021, Erica Jane concealed the existence of this count and she willfully concealed the income from the trustees after the chapter seven relief was entered. So she, so Erica was purposely being like, Hey, allegedly, allegedly, I'm not going to give you any access. Like she didn't even mention that she had it based on what's in the information belief of the, it was omitted. It, 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 there was a probably a willful and intentional mission that was taking place on Erica's part. Interesting. And so, and so the only reason why it sounds like it came to light was because she was confronted by the trustees council about this eventually. Mm. So it says as of right now. So remember we said that she was to receive payments throughout this. So there's a payment that came out for 2021. And so the trustees are currently holding the payment in the amount of $19,760 in a trust account as agreed upon with Erica. So no one's can touch it. It's just mm-hmm. going to sit in this account. However, it's really fascinating. And this is like where like the dirtiness of Erica shows. Yeah. And like that vengeful kind of spiteful side of her yeah. is that she's refused to release this money, even though she has no legal claim to it. Cause she wasn't the attorney and she wasn't I, an yeah. attorney. She wasn't the attorney who earned the fees. She didn't but do she's, any work on but, the case. It's like, but it's like, what all of the women have been talking about throughout this season. It's like, and Garcelle, most of all Garcelle saying it's, yeah. it's about the victims. It's like, if you knew you had this $19,000 just sitting in an account, why would you not just say, take it, like, take it. I didn't earn it. It's not my money. Do what you want with it. Like, well, and like, clearly the person that I'm married to has this money and this money does not belong to me or any of us. Technically the 19,000, like the attorney's fees wasn't stolen because he was entitled to it, but it's like, as a matter of restitution, like why not right. just give it, give so it to the, give the access to it. So the trustees say, Hey, look, her unwillingness to release this money shows her knowledge and admission as to the nature of Tom's income and his operations, mm-hmm. which I wow. found. Yeah. Yeah. Say that one more time. Okay. The trustees alleged that Erica's unwillingness to release the money shows her knowledge and admission as to the nature of Tom's income and operations. Wow. I know. And I'm really, you guys, I'm really hoping that Sutton just read through this complaint and really took notes and brought that notebook with her to the reunion. You know, Sutton and attorney Ron Richards, like they text for sure. They're like on WhatsApp, like this complaint was filed August 26th, this amended complaint. Right. So it's been out there for, you know, and this, and I hope they kind of talk about it in the reunion, but I doubt they will. Me too. Okay. You know, Sutton has this memorized. So let's move in. What paragraph are you at? Let's, I don't even know. Let's move into the scary part of it. (laughs) Allegedly Erica Jane spent $25 million. No, 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 no. Erica Jane has spent no less than $25,592,261.26. And And if I um, apply my rudimentary math, Uh you can round up and that's close. It's closer to 26 million. It's closer to 26. (laughs) Yeah. So they were like very generous and they were like, listen, about 25, about $26 million minimum. Yeah. And that's what they're alleging before getting and you guys real deep in there. This is, you're like, where, why is this? What, how does this have anything to do with it? If this is her money that's in her account, let me tell you where this money came from. Yeah. It was direct payments from Girardi Peace into EJ Global. Uh-huh. Direct payments. Mm-hmm. Why is a law I, firm, why is a law firm paying 
the partner's wife's business. Right. I mean, it's like a business to business transaction, but no one's doing any business. So this is the fun part. Okay. 14 million of it is in American Express charges. Wow. 11 million. Oh my God. I'm sorry. My stomach just hurled. I know. You Fourteen million dollars. Fourteen million American Express and eleven million or so in vendor payments were made for defendant Erica Jane's benefit only. And so we'll go through that because they do. Ronald Richards did an entire breakdown of her finances. I think from 2012 to 2021. Yeah. With the amount of money each person received, and I'm just going to tell you, I did not see Mikey Minden's name on there. <laughs> He's in another company. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. funny. So, yeah, yeah. okay. So something that the, the trustees point out in this complaint is that none of the payments that were made from Girardi keys to EJ global. Yeah. Appear to be of any legitimate law firm payment. Right. I Meaning mean, they yes, were for no purpose of the law firm. So right. it was not like Erica brought her fucking highlighters to Girardi so, keys and like red things. So they're saying, hey, look, she's receiving all of this money and it all of this money was used for her complete benefit. Nobody else benefited from it but her. Literally only her to the point where she literally called it her project. And this is another wonderful quote. I love this. As a result of Erica receiving the complete benefit of the receivables, she does not have any immunity or windfall from the debtor's tax fraud. For her community property law firm and entertainment business. They say Erica will say she didn't know Tom was in debt or didn't know that the firm was in debt. But Erica signed all of the tax returns, numerous credit mm-hmm. cards, and debtor payments, aka Girardi Keese's payments of her own personal expenses. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying, look, at some point, she's these documents are coming and being brought before her and she's signing them. We don't have any note, I don't have any reason to believe that they're electronic signatures. So I would assume she would have to sign them unless she well, has a signature stamp right. that somebody and, stamps for her. And we have to say that if her signature is affixed to it, it's presumed to be her signature. And Erica yeah. has to prove that it's not. Yeah. And she has to authorize it. And this is what we were talking about with this like whole, really her whole defense from the beginning. And that I think she's continued to maintain is I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I think we've said this before, but ignorance of the law is not an excuse. Oh, yeah. And it's and it's not an affirmative defense, unfortunately. No. Um, you can't say I did not know that that was like, it, my yeah. actions were against the law. It's like, okay. Well, okay. Well, unfortunately, now you do. Now you, yeah, now you do. The more and so, you know. <laughs> the more you know, yeah. So it says even, so in the complaint, it says, even though knowledge is not required for liability, It is alleged she knew exactly where the money was coming from when her $175,000 per month spending budget was paid each month by the law firm or the law firm's credit cards issued to her personally, as well as the submissions for payments were made by her and her alone. Oh oh my God. And of course, we need to wait and see what her response is going to be to this amended complaint, but $175,000 a month in spending money. But all of these allegations are so de- like, so, so bad for Erica. And they clearly have information and evidence to suggest them because they're putting them in the complaint. And, you know, well, it's like Sutton said, it's like, if the devil himself puts the money into your LLC, you're responsible for it. And the devil himself put the money into her LLC and she fucking spent it and she spent it out of her account. Yeah. She spent it out of credit cards that allegedly had Girardi Keese's name on them. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the complaint, they kind of talk about Erica's tactics and how she's approaching these lawsuits and her behavior. And these were so interesting. I pulled this directly from the complaint. Erica's threats only prove her direct involvement in the litigation and her desperate attempts to try and intimidate her opponents with a chronic stream of motions to disrupt the investigations and the trustees choice of counsel. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so analogous to that conversation that Erica and Sutton had with one another at the dinner table, where it's this she preys on the weak and she, she just goes them. for the, she, well, she, the problem is, is she's interpreting 
Sutton's kindness for weakness. And I think Sutton actually is a very intelligent, strong woman who could go toe to toe with Eric. And I think she was just being polite at Kathy's dinner table where they just ate like a $400 slice of caviar pie. Because I think that Sutton could like eviscerate Erica. I mean, the bitch takes notes. Like you don't fuck with a bitch who takes notes on an article about you. Oh my God. No. And and, and handwritten notes at that. I know. Right. Um, So really that's where we're at right now. The trustees are not happy with Erica. They see through everything. They're seeing through her bullshit. I'm assuming there's an investigative for a forensic um, accountant that's on this tracking down everything because we have a breakdown of the finances. Oh yeah. And you guys, so when they say, so she was paying vendors, like her makeup artists. Yeah. Um, the cameraman. Yeah. And one of them actually went to the Hollywood reporter, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. So we have 14 million in American express looks like maybe attorney's fees. Um, well, that's the other thing. They're all, where are you getting the money for these attorney's fees and costs? Well, I wonder, yeah. And they were questioning too. They're like, where is she getting these huge lump sums of money all of a sudden? Yeah. Who is funding her continued legal things if she has no money? Well, not even that, but her extravagant lifestyle that she's, well, extravagant lifestyle that she's still maintaining. Like, let's not forget, Erica's not in a one bedroom apartment in the Hills. Like she's living in Beverly Hills still, I'm pretty sure. And it's like Hancock Park or something. Yeah. Like Lana Del Rey lives in Hancock Park, I think. Like it's a nice area. The house is over a million dollars. It has three bedrooms. Two of them are closets. Yeah, I a just like an outdoor cabana house. It's like you can chill in a Range Rover. I'm sorry, yeah. you are not slumming it. Yeah. So just to wrap it up with the complaint, really what the trustees are saying is, hey, look, Erica and Tom, Erica specifically is in possession and custody and control of property that the trustees could use to sell, you know, to yeah. reimburse the creditors and they're the saying back and they're saying, look, this property that Erica has is not of inconsequential value or benefit. Right. You know, it is a large lump sum of money that needs to be redistributed to the creditors and go to the victims. Yeah. A thousand. So percent. of course, Erica saying, no, this is not true. No, 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 it's not true. So we'll see what happens, but that's our most recent update with the Girardi Piece, all. Erica, and it's it's getting dark. I mean, do you have any like off the record thoughts? Like, if we can, can we like? Because I just think like for me, like I don't want to accuse Erica of anything, but for me, like I'm, I want to see why the trustees allege all this stuff. I mean, yeah, because based on what I see, it's the earrings, the. Like we talked about the expensive house, like all this stuff that she's still having. It's like she is getting that money from somewhere. Well, I, yes. And this is what I find so odd because let's and talk that's about like the normal. Sutton's like, what the fuck? Well, and let's talk about like the normal structure of family finances or a relation or in a relationship, right? You are being, you are spending out of your guys's checking savings accounts, your personal accounts that you generally, have. yeah, generally. And so I would have always thought like Tom's just depositing money into her own personal bank account. No, it was all going through the EJ Global, which like they allege in the complaint was acting as a personal services account, not as a real corporation. So she was just, the money was being funneled through that account and she was just spending, spending, spending. And like you said, it's Calling for tax- it business expenses. And like you said, it, it it's for tax purposes because yeah. she's getting a higher, you know, her taxes are lower through a corporation than they would be personally. Right. And so it's just, of it's course, gross. I want Erica to be innocent. Of course, I want there to be, I want everyone to be paid out. And right. This. We want everything to be hunky dory. And guess what? It's just not. It's not, you know, that's just the life we live. That's just the life we live. It so is. speaking of criminal behavior, you got any this week? Oh, do I? First of all, I had some prepared. And remember how I told you, I thought it was my criminal behavior was from the nail salon. Yeah. But it was actually something that I thought of when I was reading my book, oh. but I cannot recollect what it was. And oh. so I was able to think of a handful when I was writing my ton this morning, my peloton. Oh yeah. And, um, this might be an attack. If we do have any male listeners, this oh. may be attack on you. And I just want to say, sorry, but 
my criminal behavior is the is when men can lose weight quicker than women. Oh my God. And when I say lose weight, it's like, I'm going to cut a soda out of my diet and a they day. drop a soda a day. Yeah, yeah. So a day out of their diet and they dropped 30 pounds. Mind you, I'm doing a 35 minute to 45 minute cardio workout every day. What the fuck is that? Starving myself. And I gain weight. I mean, I've been eating carrots. Like I'm going to turn fucking orange, riding my Peloton, doing yoga every morning with uh, George glass. And I swear to God, he like picks up a couple heavy things and he's like buff. Oh yeah. And I'm sure you dropped a pant size. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, so can you not watch me put these leggings on because it's going to burn the image into your head and mm-hmm. you'll never find me attractive again, but you know, go on with your weight lossy self. Yeah. That was mine. I was just like really fuming when I was on yeah. the, t- the Peloton today. I was like, fuck these men. Uh, they can lose weight. <laughs> exactly. Okay. What's yours? Mine is, Oh my God. AirPods. So Air, oh my God, so many. And one of them was Peloton related, but mine is AirPods dying unevenly. Wow. We've like, had this conversation. Fuck? We've had this conversation off the record because mm-hmm. I have put my AirPods in at one point. One of them was at 1% and the other one was at 80. I do fuck? not understand it. It makes it no sense. It doesn't make any sense. Like, are they not, are they not magneting into the case well, appropriately? What's going on? And let's also talk about the fact that this is like an additional criminal behavior as it relates to AirPods. Let's talk about the fact that when you put an AirPod in, it picks up all of the wrong noise. Oh my God. It's like, tell me how I can hear every little piece of salt on the chip that you're eating exists, <laughs> but I can't hear the sentence that you're saying. I don't you guys, Lauren and I have these conversations all the time because we are frequent AirPod users yeah. and we talk for such long periods throughout the day. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times like I've been in my house and Lauren's like, who's that talking? I'm like, what? Yeah. Or like, why are the seagulls so loud? I'm like, oh what are my you talking God. The about? Seagulls t- will be so loud. Sometimes it's hard to edit them out of this podcast sometimes. And so I'll take my AirPod out and like, I'll look and there's a man that's like a hundred yards away from our <laughs> apartment talking. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, okay. Well, I think that's it. And next week we're going to cover some Rinna. Lisa Rinna. Rinna beauty. Rinna beauty. You know, I thought that was a, that was a really fun episode. Talking well, about we'll Erica. get into it. Oh, that well, was a fun episode. Talking about Erica and just like getting back into I'm the kind of ready of it all. I'm renewed. Yeah, I needed Revive. that. And I, and I feel like we're going to feel that same renewal when we get to Jen Shaw. Oh, that's happening on Sunday, by the way. That's I know. tomorrow. I got it, a nice bottle of whiskey, so I'm ready to go. Maybe I'll save my bottle of wine for then or yeah. get another one. Or get another one. Yeah. Okay, guys. Okay, we'll see you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.